We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Uh, coming in Monday afternoon, it's April 10th, and I'm joined today by Britt Robson from MinPost. Obviously got plenty to get to today, uh, from the Anderson Gobert brouhaha to actually winning the game, which I don't think I talked about enough last night, and uh, the Wolves punching their ticket to a playing matchup against the Lakers. Uh, we should also talk a little bit about that matchup specifically. Uh, Also, right before we started recording, news broke that Rudy Gobert has been suspended for the playing game against the Lakers. We'll obviously get to that. But Britt, as as I got up this morning, drank coffee and kind of realized yesterday was real, um, I I kept coming back in my head to Jade McDaniels. And I think we, myself for sure, all got kind of swept up in the, the visual of Rudy punching Kyle that, you know, I think that overshadowed the bigger at least immediate loss uh and that's losing jade mcdaniels for the rest of the season because he of course punched a wall and broke his hand uh obviously rudy has a lot of repair work to do but he could still play you know he's he's suspended but he could still play again this season wolves are now without mcdaniels who on this team you know plays a position in a role that pretty much only he can play on this team uh, there's obviously, again, bigger picture, picture chemistry issues with Gobert that kind of transcend this season. But I think if we're just talking about this season right now, McDaniels breaking his hand by punching up the wall actually is going to hurt Wolves basketball more than if Gobert had broke his hand punching Kyle's chest. I, mean, I agree. I, yeah, I, I saw you kind of tweet that earlier today, too. Why, why do you feel the McDaniels loss is is more consequential here moving forward? A lot of reasons. Uh, first of all, it would be a closer call if Cat wasn't back. Yep. Because uh, Nas is out, and you do need a big, obviously against the Lakers. I mean, you know, Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James are are both obviously the kinds of guys who will torture you. And uh, on the other hand, Davis had his way against Gobert the last time they played. Mm. Uh, and, but the point being that the backup to Jade McDaniels has been either Nikhil 
Alexander Walker, or if the wolves are really getting serious, expending a lot of Ant's energy on the defensive end by putting him an on ball, which is how they won the game last night. Uh, but you can't, um, that's just a lot. You know, I mean, guys like Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic, even those guys, they get breaks somewhere. And I asked Finch at the end of last night's game, you can't expect that elevated level of right. defense, that 100% focus that you get from him and expect him to do what he does on the offensive end. And he kind of conceded that. I mean, he did it with good humor because he just won the game. I but, asked Ant. Uh, I asked Ant, and he's like, "Ah, it's all good." <laughs> yes, Jerry did because yeah. Ant, in Ant's mind, he's not taking any plays off, even if you point out. And he goes, "Oh yeah, man, that's right. I did take that <laughs> off." But I mean, it's all. It's all. Uh, you know, I mean, Ant is frisky. Ant's problem is not a lack of energy; it's a lack of focus. And you know, I mean. That is simply how much time you've had on Earth, more than anything else. And so, Ant is a great, it's going to take a village, to quote Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, to, to replace Jade McDaniels as the wing stopper on this team. And a lot of it depends on who the main wings are. But I would think you'd have to say, that aside from Davis, the threat is LeBron. Right. And you're looking at Ant to some degree, you're looking at Torian Prince to some degree, you're looking at Kyle Anderson to some degree, uh, in some combinational form. And it's, you know, I mean, it, it's a problem. It's a bigger problem to lose McDaniels than it is Gobert because... The thing about Jaden is he can, he's probably the most stylistically flexible player on the team. And this team has taken advantage of being somewhat flexible according to circumstance. And he is in the middle of that. You know, yeah. if they play high wall or they play drop or they play switching or they play zone, all of it still is. Jaden is the guy who stops the big plays, you know? And so Gobert is a rim protector. Jaden McDaniels is a wing stopper. They're both extremely important in the NBA. But I would argue in the modern NBA, and given this Wolves team, and given who they're going to be facing at various times, McDaniels is the bigger loss. It, it would have definitely been the case earlier in the season, right? When... Uh... Those days of, you know, Austin yeah. Rivers at small forward, one at Bryn Forbes out there next to him, too. Once right. once Jaden right. got in foul trouble, I mean, it was if we look at that the first half of the season, because Prince was also out at that time, which right. was a big factor. And Kyle was just kind of finding his groove like the the thing that this team had the least of was perimeter defense was defensively what Jaden could do and was very sporadically showing what he showed uh, last night. And and they just didn't have other options. So if that was the team for sure, like with a bullet, I, I think the room for optimism is is the idea that you didn't have Torian Prince for those 25 games from November through whatever, like February in those times when you were, you had no, it just made it 
So you had no Jaden McDaniels backup. You didn't have Nikhil Alexander Walker, who has proven to be a you know a poor man's Jaden defensively and certainly yeah, right. you know showing the effort. A rich man's Austin Rivers, I guess you could you could call right, it too. Sure. And and so, I mean, I, I say that to be, I think it could have been it could be worse in in the idea that if you didn't have Nikhil or TP healthy, that you would feel Jaden even more his absence defensively. Um, but I also like take it to the other side of the floor too. And I asked right. Kyle about this last night as well. Like I'm like, Kyle Anderson has been awesome this, this year for this team. Obviously everyone who's watched this team knows that, but I'm pretty concerned about him at the three functioning next to both cat and Gobert. I guess we won't see that. Um, I'll try to figure this out on the fly here with the, right. with the Gobert news. But if you have a playoff series and Rudy's back, I think Kyle at the three is tough. I don't know if, if I would if I would start that just given the the lack of spacing that that has, and then bring Kyle in for Cat or Rudy uh, w- within the stagger. I, I think one of the most underrated parts of Jaden McDaniel's season, as he's got super pumped for this all defense, all that, is the idea that Jaden is shooting like three and a half threes a game and made. 39% of them this season from the corner, which is the yep. open space in, in this offense. Once the defense breaks down, um, that, that hurts a lot too. So it's, it's the defense, right? That's Jaden's best attribute, but they also don't really have a player who I would feel confident about duplicating what Jaden can do offensively. TP a little, like he can spot shoot, but a lot of Jaden's offensive game has been off the bounce a little bit from the corner to cra- attacking. And I just think it's, I mean, again, everyone who's watched this team knows missing Jaden McDaniels is a big void. I just, I don't know. I, I think they have fewer answers to solving that problem, uh, his absence, than they do with Rudy's absence, even even with Nas out. Like, even if it was just Cat, I think you can make it work without Rudy. And I think, to your point about offense, I think Torian Prince is much more easily scouted than Jaden McDaniels. I yeah. think that um, Dorian Prince, when he catches the ball, wants to do something immediately. All with gas, it. no brakes. And then, and then figure out yeah. what's in front of him. And so if I'm scouting Dorian Prince, I say get in front of him as soon as possible. Do what he tries to do to everybody he guards. Right. Hold your ground and draw the charge. Um, and also, if he is going to the rim, Plan on mostly straight line stuff. I mean, his Euro steps are not uh, particularly broadly based. I mean, he doesn't, he can't cover as much ground, uh, part of it because of the nature of his speed dribble and part of it, the nature of his physique, I guess. But um, Jake goes up stronger and also has more in his bag, quite frankly. To get to the rim, I think, that Torian Prince does. And they both shoot well from three. But I also think that Torian gives you the sense of what he's going to do out on the perimeter much more readily than Jaden does. Jaden, um, I don't know, it just it feels to me like uh, Jaden, the easy answer, the, what I'm trying to say is I think Jaden is a more creative playmaker than Torian Prince is. And I think that creativity, while obviously he's like fourth or fifth on the playmaking ladder, he's not 
great at it, but he was almost non-existent at it his first couple of years. Yeah. It's been a great improvement. And Torian Prince, if anything, has gone down a little bit in that case because you can see in his mind he thinks his role is spark plug. I'm the spark plug, so I have to make something spark. And that is aggression. He's an aggressive guy. Uh, I just think that's easier scouted and easier defensed than than a guy like Jade McDaniels. And so, and then when he comes to now, you and I both know this. Um, he's a streaky shooter. When that crazy shot goes up and it goes in, hey, you know, I mean, it's really good news because Exhale, there's a huge yeah. arc, as a huge arc to it, and uh, it also he. One thing I will give him credit for, I think he's become more disciplined about when he shoots it. Yeah. His shot selection is better. His defense makes his offense so much more forgivable when he's over-pursuing or over-trying to draw fouls that are clearly not, he's not in a position to draw the foul from the other guy. He's going to commit the foul if he keeps doing this, and then he complains to the ref. When he's doing that, when he's acting out, on what he regards as good defense that isn't good defense and missing threes, then you just want him to go to the bench. Yeah. Uh, that hasn't happened in a few games. No, he was good last night. I, I thought, like, off the bounce, too, I, I think, like, I've described Nikhil as an audacious passer and not always right. meeting that as a as a compliment. Right. I, I think he's, right. he's calmed down some of that, too, uh, uh, over the and, last month, maybe. And for what it's worth, he was great against San Antonio at a time when they needed separation. Oh, they and were, they weren't getting separation. You know, he, he was great at both ends on that game. When they're flat, I mean, he is the, you know, smart he's the smart. Player. Yeah, he's the, he's, <laughs> he's the smart. Player. Um, and obviously, we're we're going to talk about Rudy and Kyle here here too with Britt. But while we're on Jaden too, um, I, I got it kind of surprised me a lot. I got a lot of just questions and stuff about what this injury does for Jade McDaniel's future here in terms of his, his contract know. extension, which I, I, I think I, I think just, it's overrated. I, I, I do too. And I think we like can articulate that a, a little bit more. Um, one, I, and we've talked about this before too. I think Jaden's whole contract negotiation punching the wall aside is going to be an interesting one in, in a lot of different ways, because as we were just talking about, um, he is so instrumental to this team and certainly can and should be going forward. I think his agent has a ton of leverage uh, in in this situation to really push for a number that might seem kind of crazy. Uh, I think it's worth noting that his agent is the same agent as DeAndre Ayton's. Uh, Phoenix did not opt to give Ayton that max con any contract extension after his third year. They said, Go get a max offer sheet from someone after your fourth year, and if you do, we'll match it. And Bill Duffy went out and got that done, and Phoenix matched it. And I, I and suffered a little bit as a result. I mean, it, I mean, it was if, a bad look. If for you're Phoenix. going to turn down, if you're going to insult somebody salary wise, and then they make you eat it, mm. uh, it's always going to be a little dicey for a while. I mean. And so I, I do think this that team needs no more dicey, <laughs> no more dicey. But I think the relationship between Aiden and, and uh, Monty and the Suns organization in right. general is problematical. No, that, so, that's that's a good point to bring that up too. And I'm it's not 
it is in ways apples to oranges. The way it's both fruit is is the is the idea that it's I think both DeAndre Ayton and Jaden McDaniels are players who are quote unquote worth uh well over twenty million dollars, but not clearly max players. And and in that sort of gray area um is where you kind of hit some hitches in contract extension talks. Yes. Right. It's a well, poor let, guy. Yeah, go ahead. Let me um where they're similar, by the way, is both made really great strides from year one to year three. That's a good um, point. And so you have that. You have the number one overall pick versus the number 27 or 28, which yeah. I do think that gets in the minds of people. You know, you don't want to set precedence for the end of the first round if you can help it. I know it's all, yeah. you know, it's 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 noise mostly. But my defense of Jaden McDaniels is if you want somebody to take on Trey Young one night and Zion Williamson the next night, you need somebody who is a monster in terms of what they want to bring to the floor when they get on the floor. And if Jaden had uh, the super intensity, if he was Alex Caruso or, you know, somebody that uh, just like went out of their way to look like he was just, ready to kill somebody. Um, that's not his method. His method is he is a seether. He seeds when things don't go well. He's gotten a bad whistle all year in part because he is not somebody who is comfortable body to body. He is a very different NBA defender than most people. He likes his length away from people so that when they react, he can react. Just a good thing. And 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 opponents, especially really good ones who get whistles, know this and collapse the space between them. And he has gotten to the point where he knows that. So he's busy backing up and putting his hands aside. But every now and then seeing his chance to get a steal or something, there's contact. Who draws the contact? Well, who knows? But guess what? Jane McDaniels is on stars who get the whistle more than non-stars in the NBA. And gets, I don't know about the rest of the league, because I do think this type of dynamic happens on other teams too. But Jay McDaniels gets more, quote unquote, unfair whistles, 50-50 whistles, 55-45 whistles. He gets more of those than anybody on the Wolves. Do you think, and, uh, do you think Mikael Bridges got that? Yes, to some extent. Although Mikael Bridges is a little bit more of a... Uh, the thing about what Jaden does is he likes to, to move alongside people. He doesn't want the contact until the very end of the play to some extent. Right. You know, he basically no, size, he's sizing up his opponents, whereas Bridges and most wing stoppers are bodying people up and then kind of staying with them on the body and having it be a little bit of a, 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 a shoulder fight down the way. And, I can't remember the last "quote unquote" shoulder fight that Jade McDaniel's looked really good in and won. You know, that's just not his way. Yeah. His way is to kind of skedaddle alongside and then make his move. Uh, anyway, the point being, you've got to put up with a tremendous amount of frustration and be incredibly competitive, and accept the fact that your numbers are not going to look as good as they should. Because you're never 
off the floor right. when somebody else is on the floor torturing your teammates, unless you're already in foul trouble, in which case it's been hasn't been a great game for you either. Jade McDaniels, you have to accept the warts with the good things because he's got a temper. It is hard for him to control the temper. We've seen it happen where he picks up a revenge foul, not intermittently, I would say, you know, probably one every couple, three games, which is a lot. And he also picks up texts for slamming the ball down or saying something or just getting into it. He's just 22 staring years at old. Somebody. He, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got a text for that. He's he's a year older than Ant, and uh, Ant acts like a happy-go-lucky kid. So you just know that Ant is young. Jane is young. He's young, mm. and uh, he's growing in leaps and bounds. He had to prove himself every step of the way, and he has done that every step of the way. He's soft-spoken. But at the end of the day, he has become as important to the Minnesota Timberwolves team on defense as a three-time defensive player of the year has been. And at the age of 22, if you're thinking that punching a metal stanchion is going to therefore make his future here less reliable or his agent is going to say, you know, all right, we were going to go 22, but we see how it's going to be 16 now. Yeah, uh, no way. You know, it's just not going to happen. So they have to make a decision. My decision would be what I have seen out of Jaden McDaniels is he trusts this organization. He and Finch have a great relationship. He and his teammates, I've never heard a teammate say a bad word about him. Mm. Um, so I think that. Again, we are talking about an overmax team in the near future. And if we're not, then that Gobert trade is even worse than it looks now. Because if you're not in for a penny in for a pound after what you did, all those all that treasure you sacrificed, if you're not willing to sign Ant and Jade to what they deserve on the market, and it will be sizable for both of them, then what are we doing here? Yeah, I, that's the reason I bring up Mikael Bridges because that's that's the contract people talk about all the time, and they it's Bridges is in year one of a four year ninety one million dollar contract that it is, is a steal that is <laughs> that, which is a factor there too, but even if it wasn't a steal, even if that just right. was Mikael Bridges' market value, right? You have to factor in the salary cap increasing. So just to say that Jaden McDaniels is quote unquote worth quote unquote worth the Mikael Bridges contract is actually the 491 is actually saying 4104. If you look at how the salary cap is going to salary that's cap, how you mean commensurate a percentage of the salary yes. cap is what that would eat? Okay. Yeah, the, the salary cap this year is as Bridges is in year one of his rookie uh-huh. contract extension. The salary cap this year is 124 and it's projected to be 141 in two years by the time Jaden's will kick in. It's a thirteen percent increase. Ninety-one times one point one three is four is one hundred four four one hundred four, and that's that's twenty-six a year. So I just I want like people to even if you just say it's just the Bridges contract, that's the number on it twenty-six a year, and and there's the additional factor of now reportedly in the new CBA you're allowed to go to five years with these contracts too. So maybe if we keep it at that twenty-six number, 
That's 5-130. But even then, again, if we think the Bridges deal is a steal and that Jaden would thus maybe be a steal on that too. I'm just saying, the, and I've we've talked about this multiple times before, but I, I think that number is is bigger than people think uh, think it is going to be. And uh, I just believe punching the wall aside, Jaden and his agent, his power agent, have uh, you know have a lot of leverage in in this type of situation. So, um, and just ask yourself the question. Do you think there's room left for Jade McDaniels to grow between now mm -hmm. and four years from now? Exactly. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, think of all the ways that he's got to curb his temper. He's got to put on a little more muscle still. He's got to be a little bit more in-game conscious in terms of familiarity. He's got to adjust to a rotating cast of characters. All of those things are within the realm, not only of possibility, but in the realm of probability. Yes. And so it is time to acknowledge. I mean, and you and I, you even more than me, would not be making this argument five months ago. No. It is, it is the fact that in year three, he has taken a leap that from where he was to where he is, is at least comparable and perhaps greater than what Ann has done. Yes. Uh, let, let's grab our first break here, Britt, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the the big story, Rudy, uh, Rudy and Kyle. So, a quick break. We'll be back with Britt. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore, and the people at Land and Lore wanted me to tell you that they get tired, super tired, tired of always looking like. But life hits hard. They're dads with kids that don't sleep, and with wives that are constantly mad at them for things they didn't realize they did. Plus, maybe they stayed up all night rewatching last year's playing game versus the Clippers because it's thus far the highlight of their adult lives. But what's worse than feeling like is looking like it because when you look like everyone can see it and no matter how much coffee or Celsius they inhale, they still walk into work looking like cave dwellers. That's why Land and Lore, they created the energy drink for your face. So no matter how you feel, you don't have to look like it. What's even better because they love the Timberwolves is they're giving fans 20% off the brand. Just go to amazon.com and search for Land and Lore face products and use promo code 20 Ant-Man to get 20% off. Land and Lore, proven to help you look awake no matter how long of a bender you've been on. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company, and Falling Knife is going to stay open late on Tuesday evening. The Wolves obviously play in LA against the Lakers Tuesday night. Game starts at 9 p.m., uh, but Falling Knife is going to be open. They're going to have their projection screens going uh, with the Wolves-Lakers game on them. They're going to have the sound on. They're also, they've told me they're going to have one of those trucks in like the, the parking lot area where it has the double-sided screen. So you'll be able to sit on their patio and be able to watch the game outside as well. It sounds pretty nice. It's supposed to be like 70 degrees on, on Tuesday evening. So if you're looking for a place to go uh, check out the Wolves game, celebrate or commiserate with other Wolves fans, uh, think about checking out Falling Knife on, on Tuesday evening and course uh, for the playoffs as well if we get there uh, so again that's falling knife brewing company in northeast minneapolis right off of broadway avenue all right we're back with uh brit robson from MinPost. uh brit i'm already kind of sick of the whole rudy gobert everything kyle anderson everything um but it is <laughs> we're not even what, like 15 hours removed from that having sure. happened uh so 
it is the story. It is, um, it's obviously critical in the, in the Lakers matchup on Tuesday, Rudy is not playing, um, in that game. And, and it's, it's critical big picture, right? In, in terms of how this front office coaching staff roster moves forward, uh, in terms of personalities, uh, I, I said last night and, and, and I believe this, I think Kyle is the type of personality that actually can move on from this without really oh, holding yeah. a beef. I, I think you would probably In fact, that. I think he would relish it. I think he likes the idea mm. that I'm telling you what's on my mind in the here and now. If you hold a grudge, that's on you because I'm not holding any grudges. So that I, that's the, the interesting and unknown variable as we record this on April 10th in the afternoon is where Rudy's at uh, in his head. Uh, obviously, they're in... I mean, Rudy individually is, and his team are in a, you know, a PR blitz of, you know, saving face as, as much as, as much as they can. Um, I think we'll, we'll see more of that going forward, but I'm, I'm curious where Rudy is at in his head privately and, and how, and just how he feels about being able to move forward, even if this was his fault or 99% his fault, um, how, how he's able to do that because the answer to that question is going to tell you a lot about how and where this team can be built and or not built, just grow uh, going forward. Where where are you at um, in your head, even beyond the Lakers matchup, but into the offseason of what this means for just the reality of the of the situation surrounding Gobert going forward? Um. I think it depends on whose eyes you're looking at it through. Uh, it's always dicey to get in a psychoanalysis of people. Um, Fair. But if you, you have to make your best guess on people, my best guess on Rudy Gobert right now is he's far more depressed than he is angry. Mm. I, I think that he is probably his back spasms, if anybody's ever had a back spasm and tried to play basketball, you know that it is really ridiculous anyway. The fact of the matter is he was getting, it was a layup line or an offensive rebound fest when he was in there. Uh, we have seen Rudy Gobert protect the rim and own the glass many times this season. It was very clear that he wasn't 100%. That probably contributed to his anger. Not only the pain he was feeling in his back, but the unjust, what he regarded as an unjust criticism. And when he shot back, why don't you get a rebound uh, or whatever? You know, who knows if all that was accurately rendered or not. But at the end of the day, I think, let's face it, Rudy Gobert is a European. He is not aligned with the whole African-American street ball cultural aspect that prides somebody who, quote unquote, got game. Nobody would say, oh, Rudy Gobert, he got game. You know, it's just not that way. He clumsy. uh, You know, I've talked about it many times. Uh, He's not smooth. He's herky jerky. And so all the stereotypes that many Europeans have demolished, you know, by the way, the two probably best players in the NBA, maybe the three best players in the NBA, 
and B, Doncic and uh, Joker are all European. Or no, and in B's case, African, right? Yeah. Well, do you say Giannis? I mean, Giannis too. Oh, yeah, Giannis too. Sorry about it. Yeah. Top four. Yeah. Yeah. So the top four, top four players in the NBA are not born in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the greater point being is that people don't throw the European label at those guys or whatever because they are such complete players. Rudy happens to be elite at a certain things, but not a complete player. And in the ways he's not complete, he's like the opposite. You know, you could see how Rudy would not maybe fare as well as some other people on a playground where things get, you know, people start physical to the point of dirty or whatever, you know, but the greater point being is that he's got, you know, what do they call him? The baguette Biombo or something. I mean, there's all these kind of uh, like these. uh, I mean, he is an unfairly criticized player, though, which doesn't dis. You know, isn't a going against as with many unfair yes. criticisms. It's only that it's overly criticized rather than it has no basis Agreed. in reality. Yes, you know, and so, and you know, I'm sure he's not a guy that you know pours over his feed. You know, over looking for ways he's being slagged, but he's also he can't be immune to it, and he's come. I've said this many times. He spent nine years with a franchise that built their entire damn structure around him. Mm-hmm. And he came here and they paid a phenomenal amount of money uh, and treasure in terms of draft picks and starters and everything. So the expectation was he had to be worth everything that they gave away. Mm-hmm. Um, so in so many ways, he's had a relatively impossible set of goals to satisfy for people and then on top of it he's not had a good year he has not been a good fit um and so there's a ton of frustration that goes into that and all of that i think leads up to something like what happened the other day uh you know they were like getting out rebounded sixteen to six or something, probably when you know when he when he gave. Yeah, that's why shot. rebounding was a factor, but right. that wasn't. That's not what that was was all about. It's it's an accumulation of things, and it's just and right. a lot of it is just an accumulation of frustration from Rudy, if, if for no other reason that he was like, "Damn, this sucks." I think Rudy is competitive. I he wanted to play in that game, but he right. had legit back spasms where he was really struggling you know, to move. So that's, I not, you know, not, you know, excusing the behavior, but like we've all been hot in a moment where our emotions were running high for external reasons. It's the classic taking something out on someone that isn't all about them. They're just the most recent assailant. And, and, and I think that, but, but honestly, that doesn't really matter because the optics are what the optics are. And, you're right. right. And the fit is what it's been. And it's not been good. Uh, particular, like the cat Rudy thing gets a lot of the attention it's, to me. It's way more about Rudy and Ant and that connection, you know, not having come to fruition this season. So there's a lot of reasons to question Rudy's fit on the court and off the court with this group moving forward, though, you're obviously okay. extremely committed to him. 
And here's the other perspective. I mean, my second perspective, the first one being through Rudy's eyes. I think the second perspective is Tim Connolly's eyes. I'm more interested in this one. Okay, well, Tim Connolly uh, laid down an enormous marker on this. And it was the kind of marker where you just don't flinch. You don't flinch because to concede something is just, uh, it, it's a bad look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that that necessarily has changed. But what has Tim Connolly emphasized more than anything else since he walked in the door? Character, teamwork, people willing to give of themselves for each other. That's the basis of his drafts. That was one of the nice things he said about Walker Kessler, by the way. And that is his mantra. He is like a a fit. We need good guys. We need guys that are good in the locker room, good this, good that, whatever. And if he's going to wiggle or flinch or maybe reduce his window on whether or not this Gobert thing could work from four years down to three or two, I think these types of infractions will put some undermining of that once inescapable belief that this has got to work come hell or high water. He could say, well, it wasn't working very well on the court. We had some incidents. I mean, it would be part of his spiel if he decides to get off this trade. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's already some pretty good arguments to get off this trade. But the more people like you and me say that, the more he's going to raise up. On the other hand, if it comes obvious, if, if the fit is as problematic next year as it's been this year, well, Finch is one of the scapegoats that would happen. But eventually it comes down to, all right, you know, do we really want to do this now? This guy is 31 years old and here we go. And so I think that it it shakes the unshakable faith that Tim Conley had in this trade. How much does it shake it? Probably not very much, but any shaking is significant. I well, think. And, and it's, is it, is it enough shaking to inspire a move, right? That exactly. Well, that's, well, I don't think by itself it is, but I also think that, uh, you know, and this is going to sound bad. I don't mean this is pejorative to go bear at all, but it's like he's on probation to some extent. You know I mean? You had the thing with the COVID thing and the Donovan Mitchell thing and the playoff thing off the floor. There are all these things that were kind of in the air that made mm-hmm. the, Trading of him from Utah, not ridiculous at the time. People go, okay, you know, it's right. time or whatever. But that also means he came to the Wolves despite his price tag, not unblemished. He had blemishes. And now he's got another blemish. And so these types of things can accrue. And if the backlash intensifies or if the fit doesn't work or if the behavior remains one of frustration and or depression, then, you know, we are, it's, it's like you look at Ant and you go, that guy is impregnable. First of all, you know, he is what he is. 
and it's phenomenal what he is. He had a little hiccup there with that thing with the uh, LBGTQ mm-hmm. group. But in the end of the day, he's been able to do what he does. He's a phenomenal teammate. He's always calling out people. He's always being calling out people in a good way, citing them, knows exactly, you know, Wendell Moore got in for playing a basket. He, you know, he doesn't forget that little stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's got that leadership gene and that feel-good locker room vibe. He's obviously very popular in the locker room. Gobert, by comparison, has very little of that kind of accumulated capital. Right. He's a, I've, I've described him as, uh, if he's a member of the family in the rock locker room, he's more like a stepdad than he is, you know, a brother, you know? And so there's that, and there's the, you know, the age difference is the alignment with Conley and Slomo, ironically, as like mature players right. who do this. But, there is some of that, you know, just, we talk about Cat all the time and some of the blemishes he has in terms of how he can be um, kind of off-putting in, in ways. Um, it is something you never know when the burden of that type of behavior or that type of blemishing becomes a factor and when it doesn't. All I'm saying is it is unquestionably more of a factor now than it was 24 hours ago. And and I agree with that completely. It's just what is going to be in the air uh, coming out of this is by probably a majority of the fan base that have to trade Rudy Gobert. And, yeah. and that always is... Regardless, that's like, that's like fire fish. That's like trade cat. That's like you know. But but we are saying we are saying there is there is a shaking going on that it yeah the idea is. isn't crazy. The assertion that it is black and white and it is a fact that you have to do it is there is a flaw in that argument because we don't know the price. Like that's like you saying to me, Dane, you have to buy this house, and I'm like, well, Brett, how much does it cost? I have a finite amount of income here. And if we don't know what Rudy Gobert can be traded for, which we do not know, we do not know the answer to that, then you right. cannot know with a bullet if that is, or even make a strong estimation if that is right or wrong. And given the what's transpired this season and the fact that if we have, if we've learned one thing about this, this year with Rudy Gobert in the mix is that it probably takes at least one year to acclimate him into a new system. So even if somebody went out right. to go trade for him next season, I don't think that team can bank on Rudy Gobert seamlessly fitting in next to Luka Doncic or whoever it might be. And and then that team's ready to go and win a championship right away. Like, I don't think Rudy has that. That depresses his value. His play this year depresses his value. Every, all that other noise around him depresses his value. And I don't know what it is. There's some sort of marker between one first round pick and the five first round picks that he was traded for that like, yeah, if that's the price, then maybe that's a conversation that makes sense. We don't know what that is. And my assumption would be it's lower than we think it is probably lower to the point where it actually probably doesn't make sense to trade him. And I think that should not to rule out the possibility of a trade, but I think that should be the operating assumption going forward 
to think about this logically, and certainly to think about this through the Tim Conley lens or the Chris Finch lens or whatever, is first and foremost, the thought process has to be, how do we make this work going forward with the roster that we have currently Absolutely. in place? And and I think the main the main difference has to be is that Rudy probably needs to start being treated like he is the third best player on this team rather than the idea that he is this superstar that they went and acquired. But maybe both things are true, but right. the the energy around the idea that he is you know something so otherworldly special that you need to go bend in all these different ways to to accommodate to him. I think that's the biggest thing I would like to see them let go of in the offseason, even if right. they do choose to hold on to him and and treat him like what he's shown to be this year, which is a really good role player that has an immense impact on the defense and is problematical in a lot of other ways related to transition defense playing alongside another center. It does not fit in with the future of your franchise, at least currently in Anthony Edwards and 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 accommodating that. They they did the exact opposite thing at the beginning of the season when they said, all right, we're going to unlock Rudy and we're going to post him up and we're going to let him play off the dribble from 10th. It needs to be the antithesis of that energy going into the offseason, going into planning next season. If you want to make, in my opinion, if you want to make him work here going going forward with this team, which is, I think, the path, even given what happened last night, you, you, need, you need to stay on. I, I mean, it's just... And again, well, I the think, price, if I I'm wrong about the price, I'm right about wrong about the price. But that's the sense that that I get on it. And I, first of all, I agree with just about everything you said. I think that it is a moot point. Um, I agree with you that it just depresses his value. And I also agree that a depressed value at the current time, uh, given what is still on the table in terms of if if getting two first rounders back after giving five was going to look bad, what does giving one first rounder back? Uh, it's only going to make it worse. And you still, you were going to run it back. I think the focus shouldn't be on whether or not Rudy Gobert will be here for the 23-24 season. I think the focus should be exactly where you put it, which is how are you going to use him and how is he going to respond to that usage and how is cat going to respond to that usage how is ant going to respond to that usage um i think i'll be honest with you during that four game winning streak um the idea that all of a sudden you could work a matchup for eight minutes of mike conley and rudy gobert as a, a one of your two main options on the half-court offense is a wonderful thing to pull out of your bag as long as it's not like at the top of the game plan you know it's there are ways in which Rudy can get his wind up with like 14 and 14 and three assists and two blocks and have it be like your classic great Gobert game and I think the Wolves win those kinds of games more often than they lose them it's when you basically, as you said at the beginning of the season, you know, and Cat 
bought into it way too readily. The whole idea, you know, you had your historically great outside shooter whipping dimes and shooting 31% from beyond the arc. You know what I mean? It's just, let's get things to where they should be. You know, let's get on the right pages. And the right page for Rudy Gobert is to be a guy who gets a lot of his points through putbacks and finishes on appropriately executed pick and rolls. And then the other times give him enormous amounts of credit for expanding the space he guards in this year, which has been admirable and has been, in my opinion, the most encouraging thing that I've seen since opening night to now is that they can run a lot of different coverages with him that they just flat out were afraid to run for the first two months of the season. And that is a huge step forward. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, And if that kind of thing can continue and get home, if he can become maybe not, it's it's kind of like Cat. Cat's rebounding went down when they went high wall, but he was so obviously not only a better defender in space, but he was a better defender in the paint, mm-hmm. the way they worked it. And so stats don't always tell the tale, especially on defense. And so there are ways in which Rudy Gobert becomes a very important part of the team and more valuable to next year's team than he is to this year's team. Particularly if the alternative is like Davis Bertans, Tim Hardaway Jr., (laughs) Josh Green in an unprotected first-round pick, right? Like, again, I don't know if that's the price tag, but like, you know, Dallas is going to be, I guarantee there's going to be your Bleacher Report articles of like Dallas getting Rudy Gobert and pairing him with Luka Doncic or, or, crazy one like sign and trade Kyrie Irving to the Wolves you know in a right. in a oh, Rudy yeah. Gobert yeah. if those are the options I mean right then those usually have to go down to the bottom of the page with some kind of provocative photo to get those things <laughs> yeah click next next trade it's like <laughs> keep reading yeah I, but I, I just if that if that's the trade conversation then we got to let the trade conversation go now if oh, it's well I mean if it's have, a lot more than laugh that. at it as we always laugh at it exactly but but I mean that and also if that's what if that's what Rudy's market value is out there is, you know, like the Porzingis trade, right? That that right. ironically Dallas made to the other way is like, you know, two overpaid guys in the fifteen to twenty million dollar range, uh, and a pick because I don't even think, I don't know how much Dallas has. I don't think they have a lot of picks that they can they can even really offer. Um, I I just. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not personally am not even attracted to discussing that idea. That would be a hang up the phone and let's make this work with what we got type of situation. Even if I was Tim Conley and I was like right. wanted to strip down my commitment to all of this and that and consider like I just doubt the the value that you're going to get for Rudy Gobert is going to be anything enough to to tantalize you to to consider it. The most important thing in terms of how Rudy Gobert fares next season, in my view, is how from the beginning of May until the middle of September, Mm -hmm. he figures out what he is and what he thinks is needed and what his conversations are like with Conley and the organization moving forward. And how on board he is, how realistic 
being on board with it works, but there is a way by which they don't have to run it back as the same thing. They can run it back as, in fact, if Gobert is actually more amenable now because he's in a weakened position to accept some of this, you know, pecking order diminution that you were talking about. What, which what just about adding bad. some basketball skills? What about yeah, a summer well, of like, let's work on left shoulder drop step hook shots? Because because mm-hmm. you're going to get post-up situations that Rudy can't doesn't have a, a traditional hook shot in his bag is right now unacceptable. Let's work on that all summer. You're obviously going to be used in the dunker spot a lot or in that like kind of 10 foot range. This isn't in Chris Finch's system, a heavy, high pick and roll scheme that you're going to be getting your lobs to get your offensive touches. You're going to need a hook shot. You're probably going to need to be able to do something from like eight feet. That is like a floater push shot type of thing that other players who are 6'11 to 7'2 have added into their game. Like, if I could wish anything on on Rudy Gobert's evolution this summer, it's just adding a couple more things offensively that he never needed to really add in Utah when he was there because that's not what he was doing. That's not what he was being asked to do. Like, that at a minimum to me is like, all right, let's assess the situation of the teammates I play with. What more can I do from a basketball standpoint? What can I add to my game here to be more impactful? That right. that is that's not hard. You know, that 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 isn't a big ask. And as you're saying that, I agree with you. First of all, it's a, it's an excellent counter to what I'm talking about, which is you're talking about skill development. You're talking about literal development on the court, which I think is it wasn't where I was going, and I think it's really well inserted here. But I also think just as much he needs to be like a year older and a year wiser yeah. about what he's coming into. I don't think he knew what he was coming into. I think he got ambushed in many respects. I'll just, I mean, I know I've repeated this many times, but when I was talking to him and just asking him in general how the transition was, yeah. and he said he compared it to coming over, not knowing anybody coming from France as a 21-year-old into Utah and not knowing anybody to coming into this Wolves locker room. And he said, "It this has been tougher. Well, you know, I mean, that means it was pretty fucking tough. Right. And so if that newness and, and kind of ambushing, if he can internalize that, internalize the punch, internalize the ways he's going to inevitably get you know, shat upon in the media and everything else and come in straight also with a couple of the skills you're talking about, then this trade is not dead in the water. Dude, and, 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 and he has a squad around him. Like, do yeah. those things. You have the talent around you to, if, if from a mental preparation standpoint going into the season next year and from a physical preparation standpoint and adding skills if rudy can do those two things he can shut everybody up next year on the basis of the idea that the wolves can be really good next year which right at least during the regular season i kind of believe like uh-huh. amidst all the shit like i i really do think they could be that and so and probably that's especially take if they can time. resign nas and they can lean into this all bigs all the time. I mean, that that was a very promising development. It was. I mean, yes. And and the roster is going to change. I think Nas is probably not going to be back. Um, but like, what way? Then that's Finch, right? And then that's Conley of like, okay, 
our best five games of the season were when we had this double big thing going on for 48 minutes and we figured that out. How can we, you know, how can we do that? Like, all right, maybe we're priced out on Nas, but what, what other player can fit in here? How do we, how do we, you know, finesse the rotation to get as much Kyle and Rudy together? Like there are enough buttons here possible to be pressed by Rudy, by his teammates, by Conley, by Finch, that despite what happened last night, this could work. It was all, I mean, the the world word was always going to be, Year two is always going to take us a while to acclimate to this. Now, the acclimation process has been about 12 times more painful than than anticipated. But I, I don't know. With with some humbling across the board, uh, I, I don't I don't see why it wouldn't be the best path to continue as boring as it sounds, continue moving forward and and believe in the talent of this roster. If there's one thing. Well, they are going to run it back. I mean, I would be shocked yeah. if they pull a. If 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 either Cat or Rudy gets traded, Finch gets fired. I mean, I'm thinking of all the possible ways they could just decide to just you know blow it up, take a wrecking ball yeah. into what's going on. I just don't see it. I don't see uh, this team fundamentally changing because they have the rationalizations. I mean, again, at this point in the season, you. Repeat yourself, but they have the rationalizations to run it back. They're not terrible rationalizations. I think they have some really strong fit issues that are not going to be easily overcome, but that doesn't mean that they have forfeited the right to try it. It just means that um, the onus on them to succeed grows, as does the skepticism if they don't. Right. Uh, let's grab another break here. Uh, come back for uh, for a final segment and talk about what is left of this uh, of this Minnesota Timberwolves roster. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I feel like I'm stressed every time I'm wanting to buy tickets to a Twins game or a concert in town, and I'm stressed because I don't know if I'm getting a good deal or not. And with the Game Time app, I feel confident even if it's last minute that I've purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. So if you're looking for tickets to one of these final Wolves home games, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're good. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails. So snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DANEMORE. For $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by Factor, and Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help you fuel up fast this spring with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you're just too busy to cook this spring with Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you got to do is heat them up and enjoy, and then you can get back outside. For me, why I've used Factor is to cut back on takeout. It saved me money. It's definitely saved me time waiting for the food to get delivered. And then the food's just healthier. They offer a variety of options on the menu, keto, calorie smart, vegan, protein plus. All of those options are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. So each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied. And honestly, it just tastes good. So. 
Head to factormeals.com slash Danemore50 and use code Danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code Danemore50 at factormeals.com slash Danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back with Britt Robson uh, from MemPost for one uh, final segment here. Britt, uh, no Rudy Gobert on Tuesday against the Lakers. Obviously, no Jade McDaniels, no Nas Reed. Um, this team, I think, give if those are three of your seven best players, um, it's surprising to me, or maybe to some people, that you know this this team still feels like it can be competitive against a LeBron James team. I don't think that's crazy. I think they can be competitive with them. Um, I still think they could probably not win a win a series if they were to advance, but have talent to have some meaningful experience in the playoffs, which I think in the NBA is as valuable as as any sport. And and I think uh, you know to be able to do that, a lot of this obviously falls on Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. But I want I want to talk about Cat. Um, in particular, because I think that ties to Ant. Ant's going to have more defensive responsibilities now, right? With no Jaden, and and it's setting up. I said this last night, but it, it's kind of setting up to be a an opportunity for Carl. In yep. in kind of you know we know the narrative around Cat. We know what his performance has looked like in the playoffs when he's been there. He threw all the noise of this team right now that has nothing to do with him. He could uh, he could transcend it. And and he right. could have a really strong play in game. He has a really strong opportunity against Anthony Davis and the Lakers tomorrow, and going forward in the playoffs to to kind of replant himself into the the conversation he feels he belongs in and was once kind of universally regarded uh, to be a part of. I'm I'm really interested in seeing how that plays out. What do you think? What do you think needs to happen for that to happen? Well, something has already happened, and you you said it when you said all this controversy, which he is not a part of. I mean, the idea that Cat isn't like one of the top three items that people are no. rolling their eyes about or saying, are you kidding me, or applauding and saying, see, that son of a bitch can play. You know, Cat is in a great position in terms of it being – this team is an underdog. They are not expected to be able to survive all the losses that they have taken hits on. 
those losses are the result of immaturity on the part of people that uh, are regarded, or at least Gobert as an adult in the room. Cat uh, has heard all this stuff from me as much as anybody about how mentally and psychologically he's not necessarily the guy who's always ultra reliable. And what could be better than to have kind not nothing to lose, but not real precious territory to lose, you know, pieces of your soul to lose. What you lose is a, a maybe a reinforcement that see cat can't carry this or do that. But I will tell you, the guy should be fresh. He's played what, you know, uh, 20 games right. and maybe 30 games. Uh, he is ready to be on his horse sometimes, catch and shoot sometimes. Yeah, man, he, he's hooping. If he, he's playing if well. He, if he can bring Anthony Davis out of the paint mm -hmm. because he is bombing away from the top of the key at 25 feet, I really think that that's the game plan. I've been talking about Cat catching and shooting from behind the arc ever since he came back. Whether Rudy is here or not, I still believe it. And especially if Davis is going to be guarding him. If Davis isn't going to be guarding him, then that means LeBron is going to be guarding him, I would assume. Oh, Vando. You know. That's what I was huh? going to say. I think they'll put Vando oh, on him. Oh, yeah, Vando, yeah. You know, it's possible because Vando did guard him a lot last time. But I, mean, I was which... thinking if it was Rudy, that's that's the you know that's the thing we got to parse here is if it was Rudy, I think then you have Vando on Rudy and maybe AD on Cat in, in that sort of way. Um, but, but, yeah, now, you know, how do you – do you put – AD off so he can guard the rim, but then he on on Kyle Anderson. That's also part of the reason why I don't love starting well, Kyle Anderson. I I don't know. It's, it's I TP. think the key to this game is going to be you render Anthony Davis as inconsequential as possible on defense by moving the ball and doing the old last year's Celtics game of drive and kick mm. uh, to the extent that you. You shoot a lot from three. Yeah. You've got volume. You've got volume shooters from distance. You know, Mike Conley has proven that he can hit a bucket. Yeah. Um, Ant can hit a bucket. Cat can hit a bucket. I would like to see forty threes tomorrow night. Yes, I and Cat with and nine. If they do that, then they have a puncher's chance of mm -hmm. pulling an upset. Yeah, I, I, I think. Absolutely. And, and it's, I, I, you know, I obviously echo everything you're saying about cat shooting more threes. We've both been on that forever. It makes, it's always made too much sense and has not been something I feel like we've ever seen enough of even, even in the one, the it's one of those things that's yeah. weird. Fitch agrees with us or whatever we bring it up, but it never seems to happen. Well, it's, he indicates to me that, you know, I don't think he leans into it enough. Yes. No, it's, it's, uh, my, my thing, the way I've always put it with Carl is, he doesn't like taking threes that he doesn't think have a 40 plus percent chance of going in. And, and sometimes it's okay to like, when that that's the contest, you know, I was on my step back three thing for cat for a while. It's like, and I, and I still am it. And it, it's, it's the idea that it doesn't need to be a great three point look for it to be 
a really good look for the Timberwolves if it's Carl shooting a three. And right. and now, you know, you're down two more bodies uh, in Rudy and Jaden. That's a good chunk of usage. Um, even uh, It still is. You know, they, they're starters right. on, on this team. And if there was ever a time for Cat to just kind of go, like it's – it's it's now particular, I mean, and you know, Ant's gonna go too. But if Finch can kind of articulate to Ant, like, hey, we're okay with like twenty four rather than thirty four, if you can if you can do a really strong job defensively, because that's what we need from you now that we don't have have Jaden in this. I think it's just I think it's just shaping up to be a really good spot for Carl. And even if it doesn't work, like it's kind of like he has nothing to lose type of situation too, because right, he, right, exactly. if he has like twelve points on five of thirteen shooting tomorrow, and they lose to the Lakers, like the word it's isn't going to be. But I mean, it's bad, but it's like that's not what the word is going to be. The word is going to be Rudy right. Gobert didn't play in the game, Jade McDaniel, whatever, you know. Um, right. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, again, uh, if Cat should get between. 15 and 25 shots tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I'm not. And Ant should probably get 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's half the shots. Which has not been the shot distribution since Cat. It's been, and, it's been and, a, and lot a lot of it. has to do with ball movement, whatever. Mm-hmm. I do think, you know, Mike Conley in the locker room said it the other day when I, you know, Fitch talked about two side, two faced offense pretty much. Yeah. And when I, I asked him why pairing rosters down, why they the wolves have done better when they're not at full strength. Yeah. Um, when everybody's back, there's like too many cooks in the kitchen. And so I asked him about that, and he basically said, Well, it's because you know we we have different ways of approaching the offense. And when I asked Conley what that meant and how he saw it coming forward, he said, Well, we have two guys that we have to feed. I like that answer. I mean, it isn't often a basketball game I like that way. But in this particular yeah. instance, right. you've got two guys. If you're going to pull an upset against a, you know, a star-heavy team like the Lakers in L.A., mm-hmm. it's going to be because you put the hammer down in some interesting, somewhat new way. And if it's Ant and Cat simultaneously going off, and, you know, I mean, I've got all kinds of thoughts on – I'd like to see Naw on Devo. Yeah. I'd like to see Conley on Beasley. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I just what Conley did to a three-point shooter who's a great three-point shooter the other night in Trey Murphy uh, was an unsung part of that game. Trey Murphy has been murdering opponents and he's been murdering them early in the games and late in the games. The guy's just has been getting off he, he was rendered into a off-the-bounce guy. I think he only attempted like three or four threes at most the whole game, and he played a lot. So, and that, a lot of that was Mike Conley, you know, lighting picks and getting out there and being contesting. And if you contest Beasley, you can do the same thing. You can shut him down to some extent. And I think Naw has the capability of really bothering D'Lo because D'Lo is – he likes the caginess. He does not like to be pressured. Uh, he'll try his rip through every now and then. It'll probably be successful. But I see some possibilities. You know, I mean, again, same thing applies. I said the other night before the, the Lakers game that if Davis gets, you know, his if Davis goes off, 
almost not all bets are off, but a lot of bets are off. And Davis more than likely will get 40 tomorrow night. And that's the danger. I, I to, the, to the Conley point, um, it was a little bit more in the weeds, but I, I've really loved that adjustment that, that Finch has made of putting Conley on the shooter, which to yeah. your point in, in this Lakers matchup will be Beasley. Um, right. It was Trey Murphy against uh, it was Trey Murphy against the Pelicans. I'm trying to think back. Who is it against Brooklyn that he oh, it was Cam Johnson. They put him right. in the chase role. I mean, they like the power forwards. They put him Mike Conley on the power forward shooters, which as I mean, you as much as anyone were, was on at the beginning of the season, you're like, literally, I think you cited Cam Johnson. You're like, that's the thing I'm most concerned about with the double bigs thing with Cat is Cat has to chase Cam Johnson. Well, ironically, the way it's kind of played out is now Mike Conley's on the team and Finch is gone. Well, I mean, yeah, Trey Murphy's like six nine, but we're just gonna put we're gonna put Mike on him to chase and run him off the three point line, and it's it's really worked. I I, uh, I have that clip actually. I, I asked Mike uh, about that in the locker room last night. Here's here's Mike. Mike, you've been in the sort of like chase role on shooters here, even if they're they're power forwards. How did you get you and Finch kind of come about that being the best matchup? for you to, to be chasing, even if it's a taller guy, but like chasing shooters. Yeah, it, it was his idea. I just do what he tells me to do. I'll guard, I know I'm used to guarding CJ like tonight and I, I was prepared to do it. And he just told me like, hey, you're guarding Troy, I mean, uh, Trey. And um, I'm thinking about Troy Murphy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'm that old, I guess. But um, no, but I think it's, you know, I'm really good at navigating screens. You know, the, we, I hardly get hit on a lot of screens. and. I, you know, with guys who shoot the ball like that, who can come off quick trigger, I feel like I can kind of, you know, meet him and not let him get the shot off and turn him into a driver first. And uh, that's kind of like the, the the concept of putting me out there. And, I, Britt, I didn't even think at the time of, you know, extrapolating that to, to Malik Beasley in, in the Lakers matchup. But, like, you got you got a handful of bullets to dodge with the Lakers, right? Like, talked yep. about AD, Braun is, is obvious and what he's going to be. You know, bringing Dan those offensive too. rebounding. I mean, and then D'Lo can can be explosive, but Malik right. is is one of those two in in the idea that I mean, well, obviously we know like he can he could be six of nine from He's three, a flamethrower, right? Or right. he could be three of thirteen, or or yeah. one of four. You know, and and I think right. um, I don't know if that's the biggest bullet to dodge, but it's uh, it's it's certainly one that they will probably need to and. And that's just a, that's an interesting thing kind of going forward. Again, when we talk a little bit more big picture about like how this team guards and fits with Cat and with Rudy, like can't undersell the the impact of Mike Conley defensively. And the thing that I really didn't expect is the versatility of Mike Conley's defense. And that uh, both ends one, of the court. Yeah. I mean, that dude, I wrote it because I know this is his rep and I thought that this was an accurate way to phrase things. I said he looks at a team and then fills in what is a perceived need. I had no idea the depth of that being true. I mean, when they need points, he shoots. When they need uh, lane filling, he fills lanes. When they need uh, uh, double team traps or low man or i mean whatever the thing is uh conley either senses it and goes and does it or understands what his coach is telling him to do even if it isn't what he expected to do and understands why he's been put in that role it's so and huge so, for ant right 
Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that is just that is just filling the gaps. Right. I'm, I'm serious. It, it is. Oh, like, I know. It's just so it's comical because it is so true that I mean, it, it's the difference between somebody in their third year and somebody in their 16th year and somebody who doesn't isn't blessed with like superhero skills and somebody who is, you know, I mean, uh, but I, I mean, it, it, if, 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 if Ant ever gets to the point where he has Mike Conley's brain inside him, holy shit. Yeah, slow I mean, your roll, roll, that roll, would roll. be, uh, <laughs> that would be, you know, you'd be talking, there'd be a statue outside of uh, Target Center in, in 2040. It's, I, I mean, and we're getting a little off track, but like, um, I mean, I, I, I went to in my head with the acquiring Conley for Russell. I mean, the one of the main factors in that for me was just the salvaging the salary slot. And holy right. crap, has it been so much more than that? Um, that it's I mean, Conley seems even in the next season seems indispensable uh, w- with this right. team and is 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 a must to to bring back or in this case guarantee uh, uh, his contract for twenty four or twenty six or whatever that whatever that number is. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, what I've liked about Mike too, is like, he, he's really competitive. He really wants to win this year too, you know? And, you know, it's, it's easy again for like a 36 year old guy to, you know, get traded in the middle of the season and kind of, you know, like it wasn't my choice to get traded. Like I'm here, I'm going to well, work. Especially but, the, you know, the, yeah. the temperature of the water when he hit the pool was not great. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, he came into you know the classic wool shit show to some extent, you know, and so, and then and then the classic wolf shit show, and then it cool. got worse. And then I don't even what what uh, what music was he listening to at his locker last night? You were talking to Ambrosia. Him. <laughs> yeah, this uh, you know, I don't think it was a seventies R and B band. I think it was like a nineties or early aughts. R&B band that plays 70s style R&B. Yeah. But it was great. I mean, you know, I asked him about Frankie Beverly and Maze because he just strikes me as a Frankie Beverly and Maze guy. And he went, come on. And he goes, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> First he says, come on, like, you know, how old do you think I am? And then he said, yeah, I am. And, and doing that in the midst of literally maybe one of the craziest games he's ever or in the aftermath of one of the craziest games he's ever, he's allegedly a... Or, as he put it, one of the grittiest games I've yeah. ever been a part of. I mean, the, the dude is... Uh, I mean, all the things that you heard about Mike Conley uh, being of value uh, off the court, I think, are true. Um it's been said by his teammates that Mike doesn't speak up very often, but when he does, everybody listens. And uh, I, I just think that it's better if he's not the leader in your locker room. It's better if he is the uh, presence in your locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a difference. His presence, he's got. A, he's a player that has presence and doesn't necessarily want to exercise leadership beyond being a presence. And beyond his spot in the pecking order. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is kind of good leadership, too. Absolutely. I I think 
I think too, and it, you did a good job at the game of reminding me of this. Of like, like this is the second half. You're like, this is an awesome basketball game. This, this it is, this so is good. They're, they're playing well. This is in, and you know, and I'm all caught in my head of like, what the hell is going on right now? And I'm peering over to the bench and I'm looking at Twitter and I'm like, yeah, no, you know, Britt's right. Like they are playing through this and, and Ant and Cat obviously. just amazing. I mean, yes. I mean, that, that, that block, the beginning with the block and ending with the N one. I mean that that's in the annals. With a little know, with a little uh turnover in the mix there too. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. Mike Conley actually helped him he get did. the steal he back did. on. He did. You know? he did. But that was wonderful, you know. And it is reason turnovers, to be... you know, right. four four steals. But he started two of eight, you know. Mm-hmm. And he it took him a while to get into the game and then boom. Yeah. And when it mattered, I leveraged situations with ant on the ball or ant helping out at the rim are are a thing yeah they are a, they are a reliable factor that you have to kind of if not expect you have to expect it being attempted if not executed uh and so that's just a cool little thing to have in, in a viewer's pocket knowing that if the game is close and somebody seems to get free for a layup. Don't come on it, you know. And and it's fun to 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 know you have that in your pocket, as you said. But also, that's why I think you know Tuesday is going to be fun. Is is the idea that it's not just Ant and it's not just Cad. It's that yes, you have some holes to plug. Obvious, some big ones, Rudy and, and Jaden. But man. Uh, Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince do not think that they are steps down from right. that. Like that, I those are guys who you do know consistently compete, and right. and they're gonna. I, I mean, I think they're gonna come into that game with the expectation to win, and and oh, that and and that is because they believe Kyle and Torian specifically. I think believe that they and and I throw Mike in there too that they can provide the necessary amount of support around cat and ant if cat and ant play well to to not only beat the lakers in one game in la but to actually make some noise i think that's where they're they're at in in their yeah. head and in like and in a genuine in a genuine way they've kind of like seen it or felt it or are just confident i guess um it's it i think we should be less excited about the prospect of the play in the playoffs, given what happened last last night, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I'm 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 very interested to see what Anthony Edwards does in the limelight again. I'm interested to see what Carl Anthony Towns can do in with a an opportunity here, and what the the other role players. Yeah, Nikhil Alexander Walker, like go crazy on D'Lo, like that. You know, all of it. It it's. Uh, I still think they got eight guys. I still think they got eight guys that they can play tomorrow that you shouldn't feel are really broken. You know, like you have a huge hole anywhere in in that matchup. Well, and maybe I've said this all year that, you know, Rudy Gobert may improve the quality of this team when it comes to wins and losses if everything works out. Mm -hmm. But the aesthetics of the game of basketball take a hit. In my opinion, I love fly around basketball. No secret. I mean, it's a mantra, but I love the idea of people working out these little chemistries 
you know, who who do you pick up in transition? Uh, who are you looking for after you get the offensive rebound? If you're open on a three, but the guy is coming at you and somebody is cutting, do you shoot or do you pass? Yeah. I mean, all these snap decisions that when a team begins to come together, become spontaneous teamwork. It's like rubbing sticks together and poof, that little piece of birch bark or that piece of paper yeah. catches, you know, and all of a sudden you got something going on. That happens much less often if Rudy Gobert is on the floor. It happens much more often when you have dynamic players like Cat and Ant and guys like Torian Prince and Slomo who are smart at what they do, Conley smart at what they do. I'm not sure that the odds of winning improves. In fact, I'm pretty sure they diminish a little. Yeah. But the excitement level about watching to see if they can beat this team tomorrow night, I think has gone up. My excitement for watching the uphill climb, I'm I'm more excited about the game well, than I was. We're, we're back at home. Hours ago. We're yeah. back at home, right? No expectations, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that is the, the no expectations that fly around. Right, right, exactly. Right. It's, so yeah, I mean, here we go. So yeah. you and, got you know, your wish, Timberwolves fan. Rudy Gobert is not on the team for <laughs> yeah, right. well, twenty four hours at least. Um, yeah, Britt, I'm 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 excited for it. I, I think you know, well, we will we will see. And um, it's it's crazy to me that this could all be over in a few days, uh, or it could last a, a couple more weeks uh, with with the playoff series. I, I said this a couple times last night, um, just to kind of wrap on this. I think there, what I've been saying for a long time was I think there's value in this group making the playoffs to learn, right? Um, there's right. would have been more if Jade was here. It, it, yep, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I think you have some of that now still, uh, but what you also have is an opportunity to win and play more basketball games and have more experiences in the next two weeks that put some distance between the Rudy and Kyle altercation. So that that isn't the very last thing on your mind going into the offseason, a la D'Lo sitting yeah, on the point. bench, you know, last year right. in, in game six. That's the thing right. that sticks on people's minds and the players' minds. The, good point. As, I think I talked over. over you. You basically said the D'Lo benching, it came at a time. It was the end of when it was yes. winner, winner bust and they busted. Uh, and at, when you have that happen... Absolutely. The last impression always is unfairly weighted. Mm -hmm. And so the last impression can be with this team, what we were, everything we were just saying optimistically of like, hey, still got Cat and Ant, still got some role players who are, you could kind of believe in and, right. and, and, you know, and, and roll with that. And then, you know, the, the off season is going to be crazy. Like get there, right. get there when you get there, but, but go out on, certainly go out in a better note than whatever, uh, it felt like leaving Target Center, uh, Target Center on on Sunday night. That that's the opportunity. That's the goal to me at at this point right now with this team. And you know they they have to go through LeBron James to be able to kind of achieve that. But uh, and yeah. unless it's two fifty, take the over. In in terms of points scored, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's gonna be yeah. Oh, it'll be it'll it should be a scoring fest. It, I, I yeah, I, I think it will. No McDaniel's, no Rudy. Captain and unchained. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I got to think. Unless you know, it's a slaughter. Mm -hmm. I mean, if 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 well, the, pace the wolves are not hitting, if the wolves yeah. are not hitting, 
you know, mm-hmm. then it may be depressed because the Lakers will get theirs tomorrow. I think I agree with that. Yeah, it's I think it's either going to be close or the Lakers win by a lot. I, I, I think that's I know that those aren't that many different options, right. but I think right. that's I think that's what we're we're saying there. Um, all right, Brett. Uh, I would say it was fun to talk to you about this, but I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's always fun. It is. It I mean, is. Yeah. No, I, I mean, think we do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the mic happens to be on. But, uh, you know exactly. We do. We do. Um, so yeah, we will. We'll we'll see what happens on uh on tuesday in la and it's kind of hard to project anything going forward uh beyond that I'll, I'll be in la i'll figure out some sort of podcast to do uh after that game and then we'll either be uh back in minneapolis for a rematch against the pelicans or the thunder if the thunder win that matchup uh and then or or go to go to memphis so to be determined uh we'll we'll continue talking about it he's Britt robson follow him on twitter at Britt robson uh read him over at minpost I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Uh, until after the Lakers game, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.